On today's episode of Chalk Talk, we are going to be talking about bodyweight training. Um, somewhat relevant right now, given that a lot of people are at home without equipment, working out just kind of with what they have, and that's their uh, body weight and, and moving through different motions. So we're going to talk about that, and we're going to be here with Coach Brez. It's our EDU-style podcast. For all of those that have been enjoying listening to this, please feel free to catch up on past episodes, as well as reach out to us with any questions that you might have. Um, we are always looking for topics and conversations that are most relevant to all of you teachers and coaches out there that are looking into different topics that, you know, you're talking about with your students or with your fellow coaches and teachers. So with that, we'll jump in. This is Chalk Talk presented by Platform. Let's go. All right, as I mentioned at the front end of the show, we are here with Coach Brez and we are talking about body weight training. A um, few episodes ago, we talked about detraining and sort of touched a little bit on body weight training, but again, kind of relevant in just the idea that a lot of people are at home right now, don't have equipment, maybe they're loading up a backpack or anything else like that, but the question really is, is like, you know, what can I do just with the ability to do the air squat, the push-up, those things that are just your body moving through space. Um, so we're going to talk about that today in a little bit of detail. Uh, we'll probably just jump in probably first and foremost on like defining what we talk about when we're talking body weight training, because I think just getting a, a basic definition will be good, and then we'll kind of jump in from there. Yeah, um, it is cool um, because it is a topical conversation right now, uh, just because of the given circumstance. Uh, it's unique uh, because, uh, I don't know if you've noticed this, but they're, of course, the moment everybody's stuck at home, they're required to do uh, body weight that we'll discuss in a bit of depth. Um, then you've got a whole lot of people that come out and say, oh, this is a great opportunity to you know, utilize the benefits of you know, great foundational body weight movement, and this is why it's great, you don't need weights. And then there's this a whole other side then crops up, and it's like, if you're only doing this and you're only doing that, yeah. you're gonna lose this, you're gonna lose that, you're not an athlete. Yep. And I think it's really unique because it highlights just the conversation around calisthenics training, um, which in, in you know, our parlance today will be basically utilizing your body weight to perform any of the movements that we would, you know, with resistance training, like you said, an air squat versus a back squat, uh, push-ups versus bench press, you know, not using an external load, just using your own body weight, gravity, and various different scales of movement um, that can replicate other forms of resistance. Uh, obviously, I think there's a really large variation of movement, which is important to note that we're not just talking about just push-ups like the standard push-up or just air squats, the standard mm -hmm. air squat. We're talking about anything that you can possibly do uh, with just your body in space um, and, and, and kind of induce training adaptations, fitness adaptations in general. So yeah. I think it's a really cool conversation because calisthenics did not just become a thing now, right? I know we're all stuck at home when we're doing push-ups and pull-ups and air squats. Um, and no, they're not an evil thing that is not as good as the stuff we did in the gym before. They should have been a part of your uh, workout prior to this. Um, and no, they're not the complete, you know, puzzle uh, as it pertains to training for athletics. But they're an important comp uh, component to fitness and performance training in general. So I think diving into 
calisthenics in general, whether or not you're at home or you're four or five, six months from now and it's a part of your training or your, your fitness in general. Yeah. And I think that's, what's interesting because I think when everything happened, like, and you know, us included, we started to share like things you can do with a backpack and things you can do with a broomstick and things that you can get external loads. And I think that's because we are used to working with a lot of people that were not in a weight room anymore. They had been doing like the bench press and the back squat and all of those different things. And we wanted to make sure that, you know, they felt like they weren't going completely one way or the other, but like to the point on the other side of it, what I was really interested in with all of this is like all of a sudden, like I think people that had done no training or very limited training all of a sudden thought, all right, I should join everybody else with the backpacks and the broomsticks and everything else and skipped over that first one. And that's where I think the sentiment of like, like this is a really great time to lock in like your body weight movements and your foundational movements for a lot of people that I think have consistently found ways to kind of skip over it. And I, I think where I would like to hear your kind of explanation, cause you do a good job putting this is one of the things that we talk about a lot is that if you've done minimal to no body weight exercise, you can develop a lot of great strength and other kind of those checklist of things that we talk about all the time by just adding that in. Does oh, that make sense? Like, you know, like those are the things I think a lot of people lose sight on is like, if you haven't done air squats and all of a sudden you add them in, you're going to be able to get stronger as time goes on. Yeah. I think there's a, a bunch of different points you made there that are worth, uh, you know, touching on real quick is first, I think maybe at the end we'll wrap up by explaining that there are a lot of ways to get the same gym style stimulus, uh, at home. Like we've talked about with backpacks and other things, and that's not necessarily where we'll go, but we'll talk about it at the end. If like, you know, once you've you know thought about and done all this body weight stuff, how can you inject other elements almost like body weight, but yeah. with external loading at home. But, um, it is wildly important to mention that there is a reason that on everybody's, and I mean everybody's, um, you know, programming progression for an individual that is coming in day one, we start with body weight. Yeah. And that's not because you're not cool enough to move on to the, the weights. It's not because weights are inherently better, uh, but you have to, you know, establish some sort of baseline to get there. It's because it is the bedrock upon which all else is built. And it also is an incredibly powerful tool. You could never pick up an external object for the rest of your life and be extremely fit. You could be a damn good athlete, frankly. There are a lot of things that you can do from strength, from capacity, from stability and coordination, all these things. You don't really need all of the extra stuff that we have. Are those great options when you have them? Yes. Yeah. We use them 100%. There's yep. reasons that there are weight rooms. But I think your point is very important that if you're just showing up to your you know fitness journey, your lifelong fitness journey, you would have started here anyway. Yep. And mastery over your body weight is probably the most important thing that anybody can probably attain in their life and then move on from there to do more, not no longer doing body weight, but moving on to other things on top of and with. So I think the idea that it's regression versus yeah. just a change, think of it as, okay, I'm not, I'm in a weight room. What tools are at my disposal? I'm at my, in my living room, what tools are at my disposal? I'm in the backyard, what tools are at my disposal? We can still direct adaptation for fitness and training in all of the ways that we want, no matter what those circumstances are. Yeah, and I think that's a good way to put it, because like you and I, 
were the kind of like guinea pigs of the at-home workouts that you had written and went through all of them. And like, I have traditionally used weights and barbells and dumbbells and done that kind of like strength training with all of those different types of things. And when I first started getting back into like doing lots of push-ups, like I struggled and I felt myself getting stronger over those 15 Mm -hmm. workouts because I had now, I was now doing something like you mentioned that like was a building block that I actually was avoiding in my regular training anyways. Yeah. Look, I think before we even just talk about the specific, uh, I think we'll go into maybe like, what can it do for strength? What can it do for power? What can it do for X, Y, and Z? It's important to note, find somebody that you know, that is just a religious body weight, fitness warrior. Tell me that they didn't gain all of the results or most of what anybody is looking for using no equipment at all. Anytime you've like my, I took a year off of using any external loading, arguably in some of the best shape of my life at one point. I've seen athletes that just go on body weight. There are big, strong, fast athletes that never do anything with a yep. barbell. So I think it's important to note that it's not a lower form of training. Yeah, It's a different type of training. Yeah, Barbells are great. Dumbbells are great. Body weight's great. Sprinting's great. Plyometrics are great. Also all body weight, by the way, for the most part. So mm-hmm. I think it's important to note that we're not talking about, hey, this is what you can do to minimize your loss, or these are the less important versions of movements. These are actually the most important movements, and they can really be dialed in so that you can actually see a lot of progress no matter what your goals are. Yeah, for sure. And I think that is a good, like opening statement almost if you will of like listen to us give us a shot here yeah and then now what i want to do what you just kind of um alluded to is break kind of down the different parts Mm -hmm. because you know i i can tell there are going to be people that are sitting there going okay like but let's talk about strength like you know to be strong you got to lift heavy things there's no way you can develop strength just on body weight alone so let's start there let's kind of make the make the case for like strength development within that body weight lens, knowing that there are a lot of people being like, if you don't have a loaded up barbell, sorry, I'm out. Right. Um, and yeah, it, it's important because strength is something that a lot of people chase for, uh, either personal reasons or for athletic reasons. And first and foremost, yes, using barbells and heavy resistance is a great way to improve strength. No doubt about that. We're not arguing against that. Yeah. But could you, can you develop strength through body weight uh, movement? The answer is absolutely yes. And we're talking strength in the most literal sense of the word of that, you know, high intensity, low rep uh, ability to, you know, press a barbell off your chest at, you know, 250 pounds, etc. Can you do that using nothing barbell related? 100%. So perfect example is the bench press. Everybody that is a bench press machine is probably feeling like they are just having full-blown withdrawal and that they feel like they are losing all sorts of stuff by no longer getting underneath a barbell and they're losing pressing strength. But uh, interestingly enough, there's actually plenty of research that would indicate um, you could improve your one rep max bench never benching. So what does that mean? Um, I'm talking about a study that was literally done of four, you know, four weeks, two groups, one that was using bench press, one that was just using various push-up scales, um, anything from a scaled push-up to regular push-up to scaling for increased dis- uh, difficulty, whether that be explosive push-ups or in, uh, decline and incline push-ups, those types of, um, you know, kind of applications of the standard 
push up. Yeah. And both groups actually saw the same relative increase in their bench. Yeah. So one group didn't touch a bench at all. The other only did bench press and both of them improved from pre to post one rep max on their bench. Yeah, so my, my follow-up question or, or something that I would think of is like, well, what's, how, how can you kind of describe this difference is you think of like that strength sometimes and you think of like something that I, like you described, like that bench press or one rep max is that heavy weight that you can only do one or two times, whereas you do the push-up and like you can bang out a bunch and then you can bang out even more. Like what what's the difference in knowing that sometimes in that body weight stuff, the the um you're gonna have to do more reps is that like does that make sense or or well yeah i think there's there's two parts to that uh that's worth unpacking the first is i think more important to 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 mention is your body doesn't is not able to discern the difference between a barbell and gravity or a barbell and a dumbbell like it doesn't know the difference it just knows what intensity it's being asked to perform at yeah so for example Let's compare, um, you know, explosive push-ups where you're literally trying to throw yourself off the ground. Yeah, that is akin. If you could only do five of those, that's akin to whatever you can only do five of with your your bench press. Yeah, because you are pressing at a high intensity that is only allowing you to do so many reps because that's where you're at from a uh, relationship of volume to intensity or rep to intensity. Um, so if you did nothing but explosive push-ups and you do it such that you're always eclipsing that, you know, that level of intensity, you're going to be very similar in terms of adaptation and return as you are in a bench press that's chasing the same intensity. Yeah. And I think that's a good point. And a, a, a appropriate way to phrase it is almost like we're not just talking about the push-up then from just like your standard on the ground you know full range of motion push-up because we've talked about it in a lot of different ways and in, in how you can progress through things you could do an elevated push-up if you're not quite ready for the ground you could do from the ground push-ups and then what you've just described explosive push-ups or hand release push-ups or different things exactly. in that those are all body weight exercises they're still in that cusp and I think that's where people get into the muddied waters on like social media and what mm -hmm. you described in terms of thinking like, oh, like I picture body weight and I'm picturing you the one movement per like criteria, right. right? Like the only thing that you can do is the air squat, the air squat, the air squat. And we can get into further examples, but you did a good job with the pushup being like, it's not just the true traditional what we picture of a pushup. Right. And I'm just thinking about this now, so bear with me, but I think a good example is to think of a weighted barbell bench press. Think from everything from an empty bar of 45 pounds up to 225. It's a pretty decent parallel, and I'm not talking from literal weight perspective, but if you think about the lightest barbell bench press and a heavy barbell bench press, match the lightest barbell be bench press to that elevated push-up. Yeah. Right? It is the lowest intensity version of your body weight pressing. Mm -hmm. Then you progress down to the floor over time. Maybe that's your 135 bench press. Yep. Then you add in the element of some volume and you move from 135 to 155. Then you add in maybe a new scale where you are doing the hand release. You're removing the stretch shortening cycle and now it's feeling more like a 185 bench press. And then you're going to do explosive push-ups, and that's more like your 225 bench press. And you don't have to think about the push-up replicating the entire range of intensity in a, in a bench press. Can you find a push-up scale that replicates almost every range of the yeah. barbell bench press? I think you really can. Um, and I think that's really the important point to make is that 
we don't think of push-up equals bench press. We think of body weight pressing and barbell pressing through a, a range of intensities. Yeah, I think that's a good point too because I think like a lot of times we frame, especially when teaching different types of movements, and I'm, I'm saying we as in platform, but we as in the like proverbial we of strength and conditioning or fitness is like, you know, we think about it as like you've, and I, it's not a great way to think about it, but like we've done one and we're moving on. You've lo you've mastered the elevated push up, so now you can move on. And I think to what you just described, much like we don't just move on and only go to the higher weights, like there's a lot more opportunity, especially at home with the body weight style training, to be able to go from like the elevated push up for a couple days to the explosive push up to circle. Like you can mix and match. Much yes. like anything else we do in the weight room with a barbell. Exactly, because a good coach, you know, might tell his or her athletes or students, like, "Hey, we're going for our strength today." So if you want to work strength and pressing, then you're looking at that 85% in five reps. Yep. If you want to do that with body weight, like we did in our at-home performance, then we are looking at something more like either the explosive push-up or a hand-release push-up, whatever challenging level that equates to, I'm only gonna be able to do five or six reps. Sure. Um, and it's gonna you know, generate that type of intensity. But there is just as much reason at times, say I don't care if you could mang out 50 perfect push-ups in a row right now, um, we're doing really high volume pressing today at low intensity, like that's the point. Maybe I'm gonna make you elevate your push-up, just yep. like I might make you use only 135 if your bench max is 300. Yep. Is it to warm up, is it to do volume or whatever? I think it's important to note that there, it's not, we're not graduating from one to another, it's a progression of intensity that you could use any piece of. Sure. Um, and I think though, to the point you made that I kind of brushed off that I wanna come back to is, even if all you did was master the push-up and just add more volume over time, you will see one rep max gains. Is it anywhere near the level that you would if you were challenging yourself with intensity? No, but if you went from being able to do 10 perfect push-ups to 100, it would be just almost insane to think that your ability to press a little more weight off of your body right, has not changed strength. at all. Right, for sure. Right, we know that. You know, if you improve your 20 rep max squat, even with a barbell, your one rep max is gonna go up. Is it gonna go up a ton because you, you didn't focus on that level of intensity? No. Will it go up a little bit? Yes. For most people, absolutely. Um, not to mention, by the way, there are reasons to do those 20 rep maxes, those 50 rep things. The, the volume is not necessarily a, we're not exchanging volume for intensity, but that doesn't mean volume's not important either. Yeah. Right, so strength is 100% um, doable. Per, the per, the push-up's a perfect example. They have proven that you can do varying intensity push-up protocols yeah. that equate to the same. If you just equate for intensity and, and work done, it's the same as pressing. It's it, Your body doesn't know if it's a, bent, a barbell or the ground. Mm -hmm. All right, mm -hmm. You can't really tell the difference. Um, that being said, I think uh, more examples are worth mentioning. Is For example, plyometrics, which we'll get into a little bit more later, you're jumping. We already knew this. We've talked about this in the, the Power Development podcast. Jumping and plyometrics, like high or high speed, excuse me, concentric action and, and eccentric loading, does a really important uh, or plays a very important role in increasing strength. Not just the power aspect, right? We're going to yeah. actually, if you jump, you're going, you can actually, you jump training alone can improve your back squat. Yep. Right. Not a ton, but it will. It's certainly not losing anything. Um, and I think it's just important to note that there are a lot of ways 
that strength can be improved if you are only using your body weight, whether that's with you know the higher intensity plyometrics, whether that's with some volume. Again, we said you could do a lot of volume work and your strength's certainly not gonna go down. It's gonna, it's gonna at least maintain or go up. Yep. Um, and you can also really try to improve yourself if you are going to challenge yourself with that intensity via different loading and scales with gravity. Yeah. And I think that's a good, uh, I, we used the push up, you mixed in a few other examples there. Um, mentioned power. Uh, I think probably this one's worth just touching on a, a little bit, mm -hmm. making sure we, we cover it, but you already basically did in, in talking that a little bit. Um, we'll, we'll jump through a few more and just in the like essence of covering a lot of the push up stuff, I think let's talk power and let's maybe use like a different example. Um, just in, just to spruce it up. Sure. Um, I Go ahead. No, yeah, the power is honestly the easy one um, to some degree because what do most people work on uh, with the idea of improving power output is plyometrics. And the by and large majority of plyometrics that especially high school kids are going to be getting into is unloaded. Mm -hmm. You're already doing that in your training. You're, you have a really large component of body weight training in your performance or lifelong fitness programming that already exists. Yeah. Um, there. So speed work, plyometrics, you know, running and jumping, if you do it again at high intensity, there's a, there's a range to everything. You can go out for a long jog. People think it's evil. I don't. I think it's a great piece. It's a piece of a larger puzzle that at the other end has one single rep max effort jumps and runs just as important. Yep. Um, you know, it, why is that wildly important for athletes? We know it's obvious, right? You know, faster and more powerful athletes are important. That's also good for general populace because as we said, plyometric training can also induce, um, you know, strength. Yeah. improvement. So that is a big piece of the strength pie is body weight done at maximal intensity, maximal intensity, a maximal intensity squat. No, this is not literal. Don't take the sound bite, but a maximal intensity squat could be argued to be very, or we could say that a maximal intensity squat is basically a tuck jump. You're not doing a full range of motion squat. You're doing basically a quarter squat, but you are concentrically exploding, Yeah, which is a really... Um, aggressive reach against the resistance of gravity because you're trying to overcome it. So the, the difference between maybe a quarter squat under a lot of load and a plyometric jump, they've actually shown is higher in your jump. Mm -hmm. That's why you can see those strength gains, those power gains, et cetera, using only body weight. Awesome. Yeah. And I think that's a good, a good one to kind of connect. And we've talked about it and it's, and it's nice because this podcast is almost easier to talk about because we've talked about strength a lot. We've, yeah, we've talked about a power a lot. We talked about how they're in tandem. Um, this is another one we've talked about and uh, I think worth just probably like putting our stamp of approval on and that's hypertrophy training. And because I think this one's a little bit easier to kind of just picture what we've talked about in terms of what it is and why it works with just body weight. Yeah. Uh, and great pronunciation. Mike. Thank you. I've been uh, working on it at home in front of the mirror. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uniquely enough, if you asked me a year ago, which one would be the thing that everybody worries about the most during this time of being stuck at home, it would have been hypertrophy. Um, I think it's really transitioned to strength and power because everybody is a little bit more focused on the performance aspect of being stuck out of, or away from a weight room uh, rather than the aesthetic. But uh, hypertrophy is important for performance. It's important for aesthetics. It's important for a lot of people that that's part of the reason why they train. Yep. And the answer is yes, 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 yes. Hypertrophy is completely unrelated to the weight you use. Yep. And for 
uh, those that are following along with our content assignments, the answer is not yes, 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 yes in terms of answering that question oh. <laughs> for the different content that we've been assigning it to students. When we ask about hypertrophy, it's not yes, 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 but it is that sense of, we're thinking about like the idea that you can do what we're looking for in terms of like the, and I know we've debunked the rep ranges and everything and, and to a certain extent, but like those types of movements we can certainly get done. Yeah, so hypertrophy, um, again, as you said, to put the stamp on it is a, is only a result of the total work done. Yeah. It does not matter what weight you use. It doesn't matter if you're using a really high, uh, high weight, low rep back squat or a really high rep um, body weight air squat. It's what is the total volume of work done by your muscles? Sure. Because mechanical tension and metabolic distress both uh, induce hypertrophy and both you know take different you know dominant aspects of you know the training. If you're going really really high rep and low weight, that's going to be more of the metabolic distress sure. than the mechanical tension. But long story short at any point along the spectrum of working the squat, you can induce hypertrophy. So muscle will grow when you challenge it. Doesn't matter if you're challenging it with a heavy weight or a light weight. Um, and I think that's one that's really obvious when you see people that just do body weight programs and are yoked. Yeah. Right? I've never touched a weight, I'm huge. Oh, how do you do that? Push-ups, air squats, et cetera, if you do enough, Right, not telling you to go do a thousand air squats, but it, you could theoretically start at ten, work your way up, progressively over time, and do a thousand. You're going to gain as much muscle as somebody that's working on, you know, that that heavy back squat. Um, your body does not know the difference between a moderate weight, a light weight, or a heavy weight. It just knows how much work you put it through, and will react accordingly. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Um, Okay, and then the next one uh, that we're gonna talk about in a little bit of detail, and I think this is a good one, and I'll lump a few together, is like mobility, stability, coordination, just some of those things that I think, what like when I'm talking about, or what I think other people are talking about, of like, this is a good time to dial certain things in. I think this is where we talk about mobility, stability, like control, because what I envision, and I know it with my athletes and the, the kids I work with because they were much more new to a lot of this is like, I want to dial in knowing those four points of performance of the air squat. And we talked about that mm -hmm. stance, knees tracking over toes, you know, lumbar curve. And then we're worried about range of motion. I know a lot of kids would struggle with one, two or three. And like, to me, just feeling that through your like moving through space and time, like we always talk about that can be dialed in and just work on some of those basic things of, oh, I can't squat to depth. What's, is it mobility or is it something else? And all of those different types of things, I think in the body weight training, in my mind at least, makes the most sense. Like that's what I am referring to when I'm talking about like dialing it in. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, and at the risk of just kind of repeating myself, to start that conversation or to start my responses, there's a reason that both at the beginning of every person's fitness journey, they start by trying to master body weight movement um, because it's the most important. And by the way, what do we all do in between cycles and seasons and programs? Or what do we do if we want to, you know, really get after it for 12 weeks? What do we do before that? We ramp up with some sort of GPP for four weeks, and that's an experienced athlete. Um, this is both an opportunity for 
experienced athletes to, as you said, quote unquote, dial it in and an opportunity for anybody that's brand new to, to, to this whole kind of you know concept of training to set the right foundations yep. because without resistance, your focus is not on the intensity of the, the bar or the weight of the bar. It's on how well I'm moving or it should be. Yeah. I think the big thing though is the, the flip side of that coin is I think a lot of people that have been around training with external load that get forced into doing body weight don't focus on movement and control and they focus on getting things done as quickly as they can. Right. And that's like where I've enjoyed and we've mentioned him as well, like squat university, Dr. Aaron Horshig makes some good points, especially in the, obviously in the reference of squatting is like, you know, like if, if you can't do it and we've talked about it, but like, if you can't do it with a barbell, like now's a great time to think about like, well, why can't I do it with a barbell? Can I do it body weight? And am I, suffering or struggling with certain mobility or different things that I could really focus in on and identify like what's going on. Cause mm-hmm. I think a lot of people will quickly just like move past it or almost like use loading as a way to almost like push themselves into certain positions. Yeah. A- and y- y- what's funny to me is like take a PVC pipe and now I'm going to a different example. So excuse my rambling, but like take a PVC pipe and try to put it in a front rack like a, yeah, it's difficult. It's really hard. Yeah. Like those are the types of things I think people start to identify when they take the load away to your point. Like they feel like they're being forced into something that they're uncomfortable with, but really it's doing a good job of identifying like, oh my gosh, like I could benefit from doing some things at a bot, like a body weight level. Well, it certainly gives you the opportunity to think while you move, right? If you're not cons- if the weight's not all consuming of your attention, yeah. then the air squat, I mean, for me, Going and lifting a you know a five rep back squat is not dissimilar to doing five picture perfect slow air squats in terms of difficulty and where my focus lies. Yeah, I have to think about my body in total. Yep, every part from knee and ankle to relation relationship. Am I engaging the hamstrings and glutes enough or at all by pushing the hips back just slightly as I descend back and down? Yeah, am I keeping that n- nice neutral spine and keeping my relatively upright torso? And you also then, if you are that in tune internally as you move through body weight movement, you will feel your limitations. Sure. Like, man, I, I thought my ankle mobility was good. I'm starting to really feel, I thought my shoulder mobility had improved until I started doing some of these body weight squats. And I'm like, wow, I'm having trouble. Like this, honestly, in the last couple of weeks, and to your point, this is where you can dial in and figure out what your limitations are. And because you can't get under a barbell, if I'm saying that all my air squats, even though I am just thinking about things absolutely perfectly, I am focusing all the right things, I'm noticing that my thoracic spine is really, it, I'm having a hard time keeping everything nice and neutral, not collapsing forward, um, you know, when I really think about a nice slow squat, well, then I can also spend some extra time doing things to improve my overhead or shoulder mobility or any one of those items that's gonna make the position of my squat better so that when I get under load, I'm actually better with it, less likely injured to myself or better prepared to see performance improvements. So from a mobility, stability and coordination, first of all, plyometrics and body weight, you know, calisthenics are one of the single best ways to improve neuromuscular control. Like learning plyometrics is like, 
the hardest thing to do and it's always going to benefit you, mm-hmm. right? Same thing with even just push-ups and sit-ups and air squats and if you don't have a complete like you could do that in your sleep a hundred times without losing your your form once Mm -hmm. you have room to improve in terms of learning to control your body yeah and by the way if you haven't done something at extreme repetition in a while you might have lost some of that control i can control myself for a heavy five squats but can i do it when i'm under fatigue can I do it over and over and over again where my brain is just going to shut off? It's a really nice practice of can I always keep my mecha- my mechanics at top of mind? Um, not to mention there's a lot of benefit to doing things like a push-up versus a bench press. A lot of athletes love the bench press because I can load it up, whereas a push-up requires complete total body stability. Yeah. Right? So uh, my core is engaged all of the stabilizer joints in my legs, in my shoulders that are not involved in the actual press, you can improve a lot of those things far better even in a push-up than you can a bench press, which is why we would use push-ups even in a regular performance program. Um, And so I think it's really, you can think of it as like the world's greatest uh, GPP phase where you get to really make sure that there's not a single hole in all of your movement. Right? Do you have a problem with the way you move? This is the greatest opportunity to fix it. Um, and it's why body weight training is so useful because it is, I hate using this word because everybody hates it or uses it over the top uh, one or the other, is it's incredibly functional. Right? Squatting under a heavy load is functional for performance. Yeah. But the squat itself, like its adaptation is functional, but what you're doing is not overly functional. Squatting, air squatting, pressing yourself off the ground, all of those things I'd call very functional. It can highlight issues in your movement. Do you get pain? Do you get discomfort? Do you have immobility issues? You can really figure all of those out by just doing a lot of body weight training. Awesome. Yeah. I think that's a good kind of stamp on everything. Um, we did have conditioning down on the list. I think that one is probably a little bit more self-explanatory as most of our conditioning is body weight. And I, I, I know that's, you know, neither here nor there, but even when you don't have access to a bike or a, or, or a, you know, even the ability to go for longer runs as some people are stuck inside in a house, they can't do, you know, um, long runs or make it to a track the the body weight idea of conditioning i'll let you touch on that before we wrap up yeah there are a million of million opportunities to uh quote unquote condition and again this is something i saw on twitter people hate the word condition now because everything's conditioning but i think everybody knows what we're talking about we're looking for you know sub-maximal activity for long periods of time or maximal activity for short periods of time you can do those whether you are able to get out in the backyard and run a sprint or stay in your living room and go absolutely ham on jumping jacks or mountain climbers or everybody's favorite exercise to hate the burpee. If you are, you have options, the options are limitless. Yeah. And you know, what's funny is like, again, going through the motions of the, those remote workouts and trying them out and all of those different things, you know, I did the, the run in place option and I was smoked. Yeah. I, look, look, Because it's not what you picture as the traditional avenue for conditioning or for strength or does not mean it can't be used that way. Yep. Um, And I I think to go back to one more thing, sorry to cut you off, is like like the idea is what I've enjoyed kind of 
circling back to this as, as it being a different mode of training than what your body is accustomed to, then mm -hmm. like you're gonna start to find like, whoa, haven't used those muscles in a while. Like I was doing jumping jacks and the next day, like the outside of my like calves and like my ankles, not hurt, but we're like, holy smokes, I haven't felt that in a really long time. Yeah. Like, and mixing those things in, I think has benefit. Variety is the spice of life. Yeah. And I'd argue that, you know, part of just good training in general is to not pigeonhole yourself into one thing, unless that's the only thing that your livelihood depends on. Yep. Um, you know, I personally, I'll go three months of training like an athlete with heavy weights and power and all this stuff. And then I'll go, you know, six months of just body weight. Then I'll, you know, be running for a long period yeah. of time. And, there's an important, I think, note to make that like it's all good for you and activity is important. And I think a lot of times coaches and teachers get trapped in the, the thought that gets thrown around a lot that, you know, just being active isn't important. I've seen a lot of, um, you know, training is not about getting tired, just getting tired. It's about, you know, chasing adaptation. Sometimes the adaptation is getting tired. Yeah. And, and what you're referring to is people basically saying like at the most extreme, like just throwing together a big blob of a workout and letting people get exhausted. And that, that is 80% of it for 80% 80 of the people. Yeah. If you just get active and move through a lot of foundational human movement well, a lot of the time, strengths improved. We just talked about strength endurance, obviously improved. Conditioning is most certainly improved because you can run, you can do things like big uh, sets of air squats are not that different from running. If you're, if it's that level of intensity for you, you can maintain aerobic and anaerobic capacities through things like burpees and sprints and, and everything else. Um, flexibility, mobility, stability, and coordination can all be improved. So what are we really missing from the like puzzle of basic overall fitness, longevity, and happiness, nothing. Exercise is good for you. Any kind of activity is good for you. Yeah. And I think people that get up on the high horse of you're not doing anything purposeful, the purpose is movement, Yeah. being active. Yeah, and, and I'll push you just a little bit there because I think what I hear when I see those types of things and, and I will play devil's advocate is like, like, okay, but you're talking, like you said, 80% of people. And for a lot of us, that's great. Like we're talking about students, students staying healthy, staying active, everything else like that. And we've done a lot of talking on this episode just alone about why it is, you can still develop. But the, the, the common is always, well, the athletes. You know, the athletes don't just need the blob of the, the workout. They need the, the long-term plan and the, the, you know, the full picture of training and can't just get like the next thing thrown at them. For someone who wants a workout of the day, these fitness, you know, drops, great. But the athletes, what about the athletes? Yeah, and this is, uh, uh, there's a lot to this question. Uh, I think, first of all, it's worth noting that we're not that different athlete versus quote-unquote non-athlete in terms of what is good for you, mm -hmm. right? Power and speed, is just as useful and drives just as much fitness and health related improvement for a regular individual that's not competing as it does for somebody that's on the field. Um, you know, that's why you can do things like jumping and sprinting and higher intensity stuff with a, you know, just a, a student that's just interested in being, you know, healthy as you might with an athlete. Second, most high school kids, in my personal opinion, are not what we all consider to be true athletes by definition of I'm, I'm an athlete first. Yeah. 
You are a person first that needs to build a foundation of fitness upon which you can then improve upon quote unquote athletic specific things. Then next step, yes, with you know your varsity athletes, your dedicated, the kids that have been around, the kids that have spent a year or two years mastering GPP. Then yeah, finding ways to improve upon strength even more so than body weight, we add those odd objects at home or we get under a barbell in the weight room. Yep. For athletes that are uh, able to do maximal speed training, I wanna improve my 40, I wanna improve my you know, pro agility. Those are things we can then work extra on, right? Because they've learned how to move at that level of intensity. We talked about it before. You don't just, you can't just do maximal intensity over and over again without having built up to that point to begin with. Yeah. And that's that to the point too. And, and I, we're, this is a good kind of place to almost start to think about wrapping this conversation up. Sure. Is that like what you've just talked about is like, you can find the backpack or you can find this or you can find that to start to add in and make things more challenging, but you can also just vary what you are doing from a body weight perspective, which we started off talking with pushups is where we can start to develop like, you know what? Like, yeah, you're right. Like just doing, you know, the next workout of the day might not make the most sense for that athlete that's gearing towards something or the person who wants to be an athlete gearing towards something, but to what you just described, okay you've mastered this, or I don't like using the word mastered, you've gotten pretty proficient at this and it feels good, add in this different element or change what you've been doing I think to, I, to vary. I think that's the important di uh, differentiation to make. We're not necessarily saying that athletes have uh, like uniquely specific needs that they have to do different things for. They might have a different desire, whereas 80% of people are like, I just want to get to and maintain a healthy, feel-good level of fitness. And that is possible. Yeah. And then you don't need to necessarily chase the next level right. of anything. But that being said, some people that are just into fitness say, I've gotten to this point where I'm just I'm I'm healthy, I'm active, and now I want to get better at X. Yep. Or I want to be better at all of these things. Athletes are more naturally kind of driven to that because they're like, I want to be stronger as I want to be as strong as possible. So I've hit my baseline. Now I want to improve that incrementally over time because that's going to help me on the field or my power or my speed or whatever. The same thing could be said for any other person. Yep. It's more about what are your goals. And then if you have a goal of maximizing, maximizing anything, your aerobic metabolism, because you want to go run marathons, your maximal speed because you want to be the fastest kid on the field. Each one of those things is just about taking what you do to get to that baseline and challenging it in whatever domain you are interested in week over week over week. Yep. It's not about a special movement. It's not about only doing power work. It's yeah. not about only, it's saying, okay, what are your goals? Now you need to challenge yourself within that goal each week a little more, yeah. right? It's progressive overload, it's progression. That's where that whole concept of athletes need this plan over time. It's not athletes need a plan over time, it's people need a plan to perpetually increase the challenge they put on themselves for whatever it is their goals are. Yeah, and I would add to that too, and allow them to be motivated to keep doing it. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, reach the next level. Yeah, you know, some people it's like, no, I get in a good routine and I wanna keep consistent with this type of training, and to your point, what you like doing, hey, three months of this, three months of that, all, all fair and well and done. So I think that's a good place to probably wrap up unless you have anything else you wanna add, but I think we've done a good job kind of putting it all into a bigger picture. Yeah, no, it was a bit meandering and it kind of overlaps between the, the 
call it the struggles or the conversations that people are having now about being stuck at home mm-hmm. um, with the larger concept of body weight training. It's made a huge resurgence lately, and it's important to note that it's always been an important part of training. Yep. And then the the caveat that that doesn't mean that in any way, shape, or form, if you have extreme or aggressive goals in certain avenues that just doing push-ups and air squats forever is going to get you there. It's about finding ways to challenge yourself. And you could do that with body weight, AKA all those push-up skills, or you want to get more creative, find a load at your house, like an odd object, a rock in the backyard. I mean, people have been doing that for time immemorial of like, Hey, I want to get stronger. I'm going to do anything that challenges my ability to do that movement. Yeah, for sure. Heavy weight, a lot of reps, any one of those things is great. Chase your goals with the work that you do. Absolutely. Perfect. That's a great place to stop. And uh, as we do wrap up, we've talked about some body weight training. Obviously, we've talked about our remote training program. We started with 15. There's lots more that Coach Brez has added and written in. So if people are still looking for um, added programs, and then the, the athletic performance program as well, all within the platform app, I think both of those kind of tap into what this conversation has really all been about. Any type of questions or anything that people are navigating at home with their athletes, anything like that, reach out to us. We are more than happy to chat. And remember, here at Platform, thanks again for listening, and it's always in pursuit of better.